we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I hope they remember to add one hour to 2020 because earlier this morning we unfortunately fell back. Unfortunate? What are you ta- saying? Unfortunate should be overstated because it's overstating the obvious, Caleb. This is without question one of year the years that if there were ever was going to be a year not to add an hour to, it would be 2020. I, uh, okay, I see what you Do you there. understand where I'm going with yeah, that? Yeah, but still, an hour of sleep is an hour of sleep. And for, first of all, who has to reset their clocks anymore? We're, we're all digital, baby. Yeah, I know. I woke up. Like, and your I, phones I was, do that by yourself. For, for some reason, I thought we were we were springing forward, and I was really upset about it this morning because I needed that extra hour. <laughs> then I realized that we added another hour to 2020. Yeah. We fell back. I, I just but, imagine you're, you're like one of the only human beings left with a normal, like, Analog clock. By I do your have bed. one one clock in my room, an, an alarm clock. Do you but, like? Do you have to like turn no, it by hand? Do you I, have like a rotary no. phone too? <laughs> you know what? It sits across my room, and I set it fifty minutes ahead of time, just so when I look at it, wow. I know that I'm I'm like way early for. I'm gonna tell you I'm how thinking. old Brian is. Okay, at eleven o'clock, his TV goes off, and the national anthem <laughs> plays. If you're old enough to know what I'm talking about, you, my friend. Are now old. You're old, man. If you, if you remember the national anthem when it would play it, and you, and you had fuzz on your TV after the national anthem, there was like two public service television stations, yep. if you could find them, that were broadcasting after 2 a.m. That yeah. was it. Not anymore. Now uh, you can find just about anything anyway, anywhere. But um, uh, once again, I, I guess that we should get two things because, um, like I said, man, the pandemic is... Uh, is going on. This isn't about the pandemic. It's not a political show. I though I think everyone should exercise the right to b- vote this week. Mm, um, yeah. I think we're going to see more people voting than ever before, and um, I think you know we'll see what happens, man. I have my opinions. You have yours, but we'll we'll keep them on social media and off the show for right now. Um, listen, it is just after eight o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is actually out of line. We're here live, same time every week on Fox Sports Radio, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. The we includes co-host Caleb Herring, the last UNLV quarterback to lead the Rebels to a bowl game. Well, and like, after last night, I will go out on a limb and say you will undoubtedly hold that title at the end of this season. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm safe for another season. Although I don't I don't want to be, but I'm I'm safe. Yeah. Six games, 11 games, 100 games wouldn't be enough this year to overtake you. Also here producing today's show is DeMond Cotton continuing to fill in for the vacationing in the Far East, Chris Magnum Chapman. Some great posts on Facebook, man. He's having a great time. He's going to baseball games, eating eating his favorite food. He's with his wife. We may not see him again. It looks like, you know... He's in a different country, and they've gotten things together, and he's able to actually live a little. He, he's you know? where he feels comfortable. He yeah. spends a lot of time there. Magnum has a secret safe under his house that nobody knows about, we, and that's how he takes all these ridiculous, extravagant vacations. Here, me and Caleb are struggling to go to Pahrump to visit to visit the, the Wiz, and Magnum's in China or Japan again. I, I, I don't I think get the it. Wiz, I think that... Uh, that Mags has probably won the lottery and just been smart and quiet about and it. Never said a word. And just never said anything. I'll tell you what. Just... When I give him a Christmas bonus every year, he takes it without without hesitation. So <laughs> that, that I, I don't add much to that lottery take. But listen, I uh, also want to say um, uh, the we does conclude with the guy responding to all your social media questions and comments. Our intern and social media director. The Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. The, 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 the only intern in the world. We've changed that now. The world, Craig. The world to have his own theme <laughs> music. And uh, also a guy, a senior at UNLV, that drives in from Pahrump every Sunday morning for the show. When when we're waking up, he's already in his car. So kudos out to the Wiz. Uh, we are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. That's at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp., whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own. Uh, call Residential Bank Corp. They are funding America one neighborhood at a time to help you out. On Tap, as uh, we saw last night, if you saw, you listened, FS1, um, 
The Rebels took another one on the chin in their first ever game at Allegiant Stadium. We'll talk about that. Nightcap takes a look at the projected lineup for the 2021 Vegas Golden Knights whenever they do get started. Fact this, Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. Interesting. Um, and today's guest, Cisco Kid Ortega, president of the Las Vegas chapter of the Black Hole, will be joining for S&B with C, and we'll also be breaking down the Raiders-Cleveland game coming up pretty early this morning, man, for all of us, all the Raiders fans up early today. And it's week eight in the NFL. We got you covered. And for what that's worth, uh, we'll give you our picks of the week. And other than Caleb last week, last week, our picks were all junk again. And as a matter of fact, not one of us now is even at 500. That's pretty repulsive. At least you got back. We're all, like, everyone is tied except for Magnum. And Magnum found a way to lose again, betting against his Jets, giving up 10 points, and they lost by 8. I mean, you know, Chris, I, and I'm sure I, I you know, I, I forgot. He told me what it was again, and I, I, looked, I have to look during the break and uh, see who he picked again this week. So um, I am definitely betting against him this week. I'm going straight here to a sports book, and I've got to put $25 against. Maybe it'll help him get on the winning end. Yeah. You know, usually when you do something like that, it helps you to win. But uh, that's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Well, we don't actually know when the puck is going to start. We know it is going to drop sometime after January 1st of 2021. They've already killed the All-Star game. They've killed the Winter Classic. But uh, the NHL season should, and I'm guessing after what we just saw happen uh, this past summer and fall, will take place. Um, And we are going to see a little bit of a new look Vegas Golden Knights and just kind of giving you throwing out a projection and uh, that's what it will, all we'll do right now is kind of give you what I think the lines are going to look like um, and if you got anything to interject or think let me know but I think when we look at things right now I think there's no question the best centerman on this team over the past three years is still William Carlson he wins draws he is still a tremendous distributor, and if he gets the puck anywhere close to the net, he's pretty good at putting the puck on the net and putting it in the net. We saw a, a really breakout season for him in the inaugural year a couple of years back. He hasn't you know, scored as many since then, but then again, most people don't. Um, I think he'll center the first line, and believe it or not, I think it'll be with Pacioretty um, playing the left wing and Stone on the right wing, or vice versa, but... I really think that's going to be your most productive and your power line. I think you're always going to see Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith together. I think those two, they just are, you know, it's... it's um it's just rhythm and rhythm. These guys just understand each other's game. They play real well together. And I think we're going to see finally see their first ever first-round draft pick. Cody Glass is going to break out and end up being on that second line and centering the second line with Mark Stone Smith. I think uh, Nicholas Waugh will end up centering the third line. Alex Tuck is probably the best third-line winger in the National Hockey League. He really break out with eight goals this past uh, postseason for the Vegas Golden Knights. I love this guy. Nothing but an upside in his early twenties. I think Chandler Stevenson will be on the other on the other wing, and then that that fourth line is intact. That line is going nowhere, and you'll see uh, Tomas Nosik, who really is a very good defensive. Um, offensive player and a defensive center, and then William Carrier and Ryan Reeves, kind of the Bruise brothers of modern day, and I don't think that line is going anywhere. Defensively, I think you'll see Alex Petrangelo step into the role of of, um, Nate Schmidt. We all expected that, but he will play the first-line defense with Braden McNabb, and a lot of people are like, wow, over Shea Theodore? You separate Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo unless you're in a power play situation. You've got two of the best offensive defensemen in the National Hockey League why would you want him on the same line? So you're going to separate him. Alec Martinez, I think, will be on the second set of defense and play with Shea Theodore. And Nick Holden and Zach uh, Whitecloud will hold it down as the third-line defense. And in goal, we already know it's set. Robin Leonard will be number one. And as of right now, and it looks like for sure this season, Mark andre Fleury will be backing him up in net and probably get his fair share of games, Caleb. Uh, reading that lineup and knowing hockey like I do, since I follow it pretty heavily, 
This is a pretty star-studded lineup, and I think you know there's questions about that third line with Wah centering it and Stevenson on the other winger. Tuck, everyone feels pretty comfortable with Alex, but this is a pretty sound hockey team, and I look at this lineup and I say, man, they're compete for a Stanley Cup again next year. Yeah, I, I mean, they didn't lose as crucial a pieces in the offseason mm-hmm. or so far in the offseason that uh, would make you think that they're out of contention. I don't know that they fixed the issues that plagued them this postseason, which was goal scoring at times. So I don't know that there's anything necessarily here that changes that issue. But if they were already competing for a Stanley Cup final this year, then this roster should definitely be back. I, they've had the most consistently good roster, solid roster, um, and most consistently productive roster, I think, over the past four years. And that's why they've been you know, right in the – thick of things, even though there have been some ups and downs. They've been right in the thick of things in, in the hunt at the end. So, yeah, like you said, I I defer to your expertise, obviously, when it comes to the specific and the ins and outs of the roster movements. But like you said, there's nothing here that I would say that's a definite deficiency that's going to keep them out of the postseason. Nope. And right now, you know, you know, it sounds bad, but when you think of the the mega millions that these players get play, paid, you know, you look at and they are nine hundred and seventy four thousand, a little bit under a million dollars over the salary cap right now. But you know, most will look at it similar. You know, but there will be some major differences to next year's squad, as we know. And again, there's no obvious moves like keeping a player down in the minors, but the Golden Knights have utilized injured reserve in the past to remain under that under the cap ceiling. And um, according to uh, General Manager Kelly McCrimmon, he said, we'll be cap compliant on opening day as we were one year ago and as you have to, as you have to be to play in the National Hockey League. Every team finds a way to be cap compliant, Caleb, when it's all said and done. The Golden Knights are no different. This million dollars, they'll figure it out. Like the, the, the one problem that they do have is Nicholas Watt, excuse me, Cody Glass is the only one that can go back down and play in Henderson for the Silver Knights and make everything work, and I just don't see them putting him down this year. I think this is a year he's on the team the entire season. But they're going to have to make another move or two and get that million dollars, you know, get back what they need, and they'll be fine. They'll be good to go. So um, Vegas Golden Knights, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we are supposed to be at some point soon, I imagine they will announce the schedule for the 2021 season. You can't say the 2020-21 season because they are done playing hockey in 2021, wrapped up the Stanley Cup Finals in September. So again, or in October. So again, you're going to see uh, you're going to see a lot. Uh, a, a, the season will be played 100 percent in 2021, and that is actually the first time in NHL history that a, that a full hockey season has been played in one fiscal year. Kind of cool. And, uh, you know, and are they going to abbreviate the 82-game season? I don't know. We talked about a little bit on Spencer's brand-new show Friday night talking about reducing Major League Baseball season. It won't happen because of the finances. However, man, did I enjoy a 60-game season. It was enough baseball. It wasn't too much like it is every year. By the time you get to the postseason, you're baseball burnt and this year I was not I was actually salivating for the playoffs in the expanded rosters so in hockey will they shorten it a little bit in 2021 if they do it's probably not going to be by much maybe by 10 games maybe they'll turn it into a 72 game season but it'll all be played in 2021 enough about the Golden Knights let's get to the main uh you know the main um situation here and uh this is what we'll be talking about right now the way the game ended last night here Takes the snap and takes a knee to bring up second down. Clock rolling. 15 seconds to go. That should do it. 10 seconds to go. And now the Wolfpack heading off the field. Two seconds, one second. That's it. Reno wins it. The first home game ever for the Rebels in Allegiant Stadium ends with a victory for the Wolfpack of Reno. The final score, Reno 37, UNLV 19. And 
uh, the cannon will be turning blue. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody out there. There was hope that maybe there would be some pride in, uh, you know, the, showing a little pride. And I thought they did to try to pull this one out, you know, the new stadium. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. I talked to Chet Buchanan after the game, who does the in-stadium PA announcing, and, uh, you know, and always tries to get the crowd revved up, and they're doing dance cam. And I said, poor Chet, why the hell would they make you do this stuff when there's 2,000 people dispersed amongst the 65,000-seat stadium, and you've got these people everywhere, and you're trying to do dance cam? No one's going to stand up and dance because you can see them from across the stadium. It's too embarrassing. When there's a crowd, you can but, you know, people are going to hate when I say this, but like last night, the 2,000 people in the stands, you know, you could have compacted them a little bit. It would have been about the same amount of people that would have been at Sam Boyd Stadium anyway. I'm just teasing. I think it, because it was the first game and it was at Allegiant Stadium. That is the worst. But it, but it would have been, you know, if, if, if they wouldn't have Sam put it this Boyd way. Sam Stadium averaged 17,000 in attendance last season. So <laughs> they, it's not impressive. I'm not saying it's impressive. That's that's. That's less it's than the, the COVID attendance it's, it's, for some of these it didn't, stadiums It looked like right maybe 17,000 paid attendance. I don't know how many times there was actually 17,000 people and fans. I think they were counting all the ushers. I think they were counting the people in the parking <laughs> lot. And probably even the police officers directing traffic out on, oh uh, out on Boulder Highway. I mean, 17,000 people anyway. is a stretch. But, but forget about that. The bottom line is um, the one thing I want to start by being positive. I will say this, Caleb, and I'm surprised I'm saying this. I was, I don't want to use the word impressed, but I was okay with the play of Max Gillum at quarterback. I thought he played a lot better than he did in you know the amount of time he had in week one. You can see the next week of preparation and maybe one game under his belt helped him out. You got to remember Max Gillum did get recruited by um Power five conference schools. He he went to Cal and Minnesota, so they did see talent in this kid. He did make some really good throws, and the one thing I like Caleb about it is a couple of times he stood in the pocket as long as he possibly could before releasing the ball, completing passes, one for a fourth down, one for a third, and he took a wallop after he threw the ball, and he complete, and popped right back up and kept going. He showed resiliency. He showed some balls to be able to hang in there in the pocket, and he also showed some accuracy. I liked all those things, but it's hard for me to go positive much further after that. I guess I could say Daniel Gutierrez hit his one and only extra point in both of his field goals, so I can say that's a positive too. But other than that, I'm starting to reach. Well, I, okay, so I, I'll go positive too to start then. I think Max did play a solid game. There, He left a lot on the field now. He, he didn't by any means have a perfect game or anything to, to write home about, but uh, he played good enough to call himself a starter. I don't know if he's the starter you want necessarily, but he's the starter you got at this point. And uh, who knows? He maybe won't even be named the starter for the future, but uh, and it could, uh, the competition may continue at that spot. But we saw him and only him for this game, so that's any indicator. The offense did produce; they they put up points. I, I think they could have had even more than nineteen if they had punched in on a couple of those red zone drives. But um, so that was good. The offense moved the ball effectively. I think they punted twice that game, uh, albeit they went. Oh, for it you on know, and now down, you speak that. Times. I'm just going to interrupt you for one second. You, you spoke about punting. You know. They, they've had a pretty good uh, uh, punter in Hayes Hickam the last couple of years. Tanner Brown really popped that ball a couple times. You know, I saw him turn it over twice, yeah. and I was really impressed and, with, 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 his, with the job he did punting the foot. Now, I don't want to start when – you, when you start talking about a punter of a football team, you got a lot of problems, but it's nice to see that because changing field position, as yeah. you know, is gigantic, and he helped do that a and little bit. And I think the difference with Trent Brown and Hayes Hickam the last year and the last couple of seasons was – Hicken would get distance, but he wouldn't get height. And I think if you watch NFL punters, the, the key thing about being able to punt it is punting it high because that gives your coverage team a chance to get down there um, and cover. So you don't want to Two years ago, Hickam was looking like an NFL yeah. punter. Yeah, but Last think, year, he disappeared. Yeah, I think Trent Brown right now looks like he's a pretty good uh, a punter. And, may, yeah, field position can become an important aspect. And I think the Rebels did a fairly good job. Also, Tylee Collins in the return game um, doing a good job. Uh, starting in positive field position. That's plus 25. Um, so, I mean, there's some positive things. Tylee Collins is another thing that I, I thought coming into the season he would have a big year. He had a, a big game, uh, at least a big first half, with four receptions for 65 yards in the first half. I didn't do much in the second, but actually did do a little bit in the second. But there, that was a positive to me that found a way to get him the ball in space. 
um, another positive that there was a pass rush. Like even though the Rebels aren't quite getting home, I think that's more to do with the fact that the secondary um, and the coverage is giving up openings oh my God. so we, fast we, in coverage. The, the secondary could be a whole nother hour show. Yeah, I, that, and this is a, I here's felt a thing. Spencer vomiting in Pahrump <laughs> from the Legion Stadium <laughs> over the secondary. Here's the thing that the secondary is has three freshmen starting, both corners and one of the and safeties. one of them with the one, one of the greatest names Sir I've Oliver heard in sports, Everett. Yeah, he, he's Sir a, Oliver Everett, who. F- justifiably got taken off the field for a while in yeah. the second half because, my God, when you say burnt toast from now on, I will always think of Sir Oliver Everett. And he and Noel Williams had their work cut out for him, and there is no secret that Coach Royal wanted to put the his secondary man-to-man coverage, just the scheme that they want to run defensively. Um, but I think that the freshman legs um, showed up a little bit against an experienced Reno passing attack yeah. with Romeo Dubs um, and Carson Strong, who's I think the best quarterback in the conference, just based on the small sample size I've had of him um, from last year against Reno, uh, against uh, when the Rebels played Reno and these first two games of this season, his completion streak without interception uh, attempts, passes attempted. He was at 203 coming into game the game last night. So he's up over 220 um, consecutive attempts without an interception. By far the, the longest streak in college football right now. And that's nationwide, not just the Mountain West. Uh, by far the longest streak, and he has a chance to continue that. So he's one of the best quarterbacks. So the mix of that and the receiving core that he has to throw to was just not a good recipe for the secondary, who's young, inexperienced, yeah. and will learn and grow together. I, I, I like their potential as far as the length and the secondary. Three guys over six feet tall in the secondary. Both corners, Noah Williams and Sir Oliver Everett, over six feet. Um, so they, they they have potential to grow into something special. They're just not there yet. But the pass rush was what I, I would say is probably the strength, the D-line altogether. But the pass rush would probably be the strength of the team. So seeing that was a positive. Adam Plant getting after it. Um, a couple other guys on defensive line able to apply pressure on Strong, even though they weren't necessarily getting home every time. There was probably more sacks in that game than we saw for six games. Well, they were the obviously disrupted because Reno Reno was a couple of procedure penalties, holding penalties, and that usually is the result of a good defensive effort on the uh, in the trenches because you're everyone's their anticipation they're they're jumping a little quicker. But Caleb, what what I didn't like, you know, and I see what you're saying, but there was there was a time where that one drive where Reno eventually scored a touchdown. They like scored three touchdowns, or at least put themselves in the red zone back to back to back times with almost the same plays of these long passes. And at some point, I pull my defensive backs coach over and I go, They just threw three long passes in a row against us. We get two called back by penalties. At some point, you got to stop that. I mean, three in a row? Here's the thing sometimes it's not. You know what's coming. When it's third and 14 or 15, you know what's coming. It's, and and it came. It's sometimes you line up and the guy across from you is better than you. And that's that's sometimes simply what it is. I, I think that's what the case was in the case of the secondary. You line up against Romeo Dubs, and he was better than anybody they threw at him. They, they, the scheme they wanted to play, which is a man-to-man base coverage, which is probably what we've seen the most from them in the secondary, or some iteration of, of man coverage, whether it's zone that locks on, it creates one-on-one matchups, and Romeo Dubs was better than anybody that. Yeah, he was, Rebels but Justin Lockhart's not even a starter. He's a kid, and he was beating them like rented mules too. Well, Justin Lockhart was was running uh, wide receiver screens, and that's different. And that's that's again a product of having young DBs in the secondary because they were glued to blocks. When yeah. whenever okay. Lockhart caught the ball on those wide receiver screens, not to mention Cole Turner, six six two forty. There's nobody on the UNLV roster that can match up with him. He was out there blocking on the edge, making some good catches as well with people in coverage, pretty good coverage on him, just making catches over the top of guys. But blocking on those those wide receiver screens was huge. I think if you look at the stats, Romeo Dubs was over 200 yards receiving in the game. He accounted for all of the pass offense. If you take him out and, and all most of it, he I think he only had what seven catches. So he didn't. It's not like he was catching a, a, a an six catches of for two eleven. Right. So he he's catching deep shots and only deep shots. So you take away the big plays from him. Hold up, hold up in one on one coverage. Passing game's not that scary. But he was absolutely taking advantage of his matchup, and I think that was the case. Any defensive back the Rebels threw at him, he liked that matchup and took advantage of it fully. And Carson Strong's good enough to find his number one guy and put the ball on him. And that's the story of the game. I it's I don't think it's going to be the story of the season. I don't think every 
quarterback that UNLV faces is going to be that good. I don't think every uh, any there's going to be that much of a mismatch personnel wise uh, with the wide receivers in the secondary, and they'll get better as the season goes. I think this was an early tough test for the secondary, and we knew it coming in. I we knew that the Wolfpack offense was high powered. Uh, and and they showed it again, and they showed why they're probably one of the better offenses in the conference. Maybe could be considered the best offense in the conference at this point with the way they performed through two games. I think they'll be right in there in contention for the championship. And I I don't see looking at the conference with Utah State trying to figure things out. Um, Boise State always, of course, in the thick of things. San Jose State's not San as good Jose as they State's looked last night. I, I don't think so either. And but I think that. The Wolfpack will be, and as yeah. much as it pains me to say this, I think the Wolfpack will be right we'll there. We'll see Fresno next over. week. We'll get an idea of how good they are. And I'm not going to scream. One one guy that I do want to mention, uh, you know, when I talk about positives, and I, I, I brought him up four or five times watching the game and had no idea about him before. How about Noah Bean, listed as the third tight end, Caleb? This guy was catching the ball in traffic, and he seems to really be in sync with Max Gillum, yeah. like one of his favorite targets. And he's tall, he's lanky, and he catches the football. Why is he the third-team tight end going into this well, game? I think going into the game, because coming off of suspension, he hasn't really had well, much know. time that, that, to, to actually put him in. So I don't think he's necessarily the third tight end. He and Gio were both... Suspended. Giovanni Faola yeah. were both suspended because of the Reno game. So Noah Bean did show glimpses last year of his ability to be a, a, a valuable receiver, not just catching the ball, but yards after contact That's last season. So he did a great yeah, job. His yak is last phenomenal, year, right? So so he's going to be a big piece. That's kind of as the roster starts to fill some slots that were missing because of injury. I think Farrell Hester will be coming back. Uh, he's dealing with an injury right now, but I think that those kind of additions as the season goes on, you'll see measured improvements when these people are added back. Noah Bean's one of those big names and those key contributors, I think, to the roster that was missing in week one. Seven catches, 66 yards, not a lot of yardage, but the one thing with Noah Bean that I love, the guy's got soft hands. He's got to be a guy a quarterback loves to have to throw to a, a, a long target that you're going to be able to see yeah. through traffic, and you know you can put it up there, even maybe in double coverage if you throw it high. He's got the ability to come down with the ball, which is pretty cool. Listen, we're going to take a break. On the other side, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about fact this, and like I said, it's about Trevor Lawrence. Definitely check this out because I think we all learned something yesterday. And also uh, S&B with C, we are going to have uh, Cisco Kid Ortega. He is the president of the Las Vegas chapter of the um, Black Hole, which is the Raiders' biggest fan, one of the biggest fan bases uh, in the country uh, for football. And uh, talk about how you can get involved in that. Cisco's been on the show before. Looking forward to that. And of course, our picks are coming up too. We'll be right back. <laughs> Line Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM 1340 and Brian Feldman sitting to my left on your radio dial. First is Caleb Herring. Next to him, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. And uh, directly in front of me, of course, Damon Cotton, manning the wheels of steel today. And uh, looking forward to in a few minutes, we'll be joined by Cisco Kid Ortega. But um, it is time for Back this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. In most experts' opinions, Trevor Lawrence is the best college football prospect in the country. Many have labeled him as a bona fide can't miss, provided, of course, he stays healthy. This was clearly on display yesterday when without Trevor Lawrence, who was out due to a positive COVID-19 test, the number one ranked and undefeated Clemson Tigers came within a whisker of suffering what would have been their worst loss in years to unranked 4-2 and Boston College. The point I'm getting at is that based on what we just saw, without Trevor Lawrence, Clemson might not be a top 10 team, let alone a playoff contender. So once again, Caleb, how good, or should I say, how valuable is Trevor Lawrence, and doesn't this prove that all the hype is warranted? I'm going to do something that may not be popular in America right now. I'm going to disagree with this. I think, one, I don't think it's as clear-cut that Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback available this year. Um, I, I think understand. You're talking, about, you're talking about Ohio State's boy. I, think, I got you. I think he is coming. I, I, don't, I don't think his draft stock, I don't think the public opinion 
um, with NFL teams is as can't miss as Trevor Lawrence right now. But I think he's close. I think he's closer than you would have thought coming into the season. That being said, what I saw from Clemson was not an issue from the quarterback and producing. I think the way Clemson they, they, the way Clemson played against Boston College, who was not the Boston College that we're usually used to seeing. They're they're a good football team. They're better than before. Well coached. They they played aggressively. I think they had a they chip did barely on the beat Texas, Texas State this year. That's but. fine. That's fine. But what I think they came into this game inspired, thinking they had a chance to knock down the champions who were coming in with with hobbled with without Trevor Lawrence. And so I think that first quarter and a half really are they a top 10 team without him yes absolutely and because are they a playoff team without him absolutely wow because dj ui that's what i'm going to call because i don't want to try to butcher his last name but dj ui is the real deal Uh, he's a ungalele yeah you i i saw the pronunciation you you spelled it out beforehand i surely of course i did you couldn't look at that name and just say it i listen no i listened to it a bunch of times in the game you have to so you have to it's a tough one but yeah dj ui is the real deal so i i think Clemson could be because of the strength of their defense and because DJ they have... DJ Uwe performing on the strip soon, DJ close Uwe. to you. That's, I, that's what I'm going to call him. I DJ like Uwe out of St. John Bosco, yep. one of the most highly recruited quarterbacks in the last decade or so, maybe just as highly recruited as Trevor Lawrence coming out, kind of a prodigy. As a true freshman, coming in and playing the way that he played, over 300 yards, a rushing touchdown, a couple of th- touchdowns the year. He's I think a big guy, man. Do, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Dante Culpepper a little bit. The I, way no. he no, come on, Dante Culpepper had a couple he's not, good years. Man, he's a the, different kind of huge than Dante Culpepper. Culpepper, Culpepper was, was elusive. Was like, he was elusive and could run as well. Elusive and and athletic are two different things. There's there's big people that are fleet of foot. And Dante, I think Dante Culpepper, Culpepper took the Minnesota Vikings to, a, to within I'm one game wasn't of the Super good. Bowl. I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't good, but I think Uwe is just built a little bit more solid and athletic. So he's an Dante NFL Cole. quarterback. Yeah, right. I, 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 I think, think he's so. Built, and so I think, I think so. He's 250 got, pounds, six foot four. I mean, the guy's a monster. He's huge. So I, but I think that the drop off to Uwe from Trevor Lawrence isn't as big as we maybe would have mm. thought it was. Trevor Lawrence is a great guy. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but as Caleb, with a lot of talk about guys that can make I, every throw, this is uh, Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys. It's fine that you can make every throw. A lot of people can throw every pass, but that's not all that quarterbacking is. I'm just saying that Trevor Lawrence isn't as far above the, the rest as we maybe think as far as looking at who he has around him and the things that the other players that he can do, the well, defense we that he whole, has. We could have a whole show on this, how much Clemson, I disagree with Clemson you. Clemson has a great football team, and I think it enhances Trevor Lawrence. I think there's something a about— A great football team, arguably the best coach in the country. The, but Nick Saban fans, so I'm sorry, Dabo Sweeney. The last, is the last five, six years, even before Trevor Lawrence took over— Clemson was already in the national well, of course, championship game, of course. right? And uh, Deshaun uh, Watson. Going it, for, I was going to say, there, from, wasn't their quarterback back then? Isn't he the highest paid guy yeah, in the but, NFL right now? I, I, I'm I'm fine with it. He's not. Patrick Mahomes is. But, but the, yeah, I understand. <laughs> but listen. But no, I I think Trevor Lawrence is great, and I'm not trying to take anything from him. But I think the hype train is rolling as far as he can do no wrong. Uh, in the eyes of media personalities and, and those who are evaluating the court, he's been thro- crowned the best for now a year and a half, two years, really, two full seasons of just being the best guy out there. So we haven't even thought about the possibility of somebody being better or, I, and I or just as good. I, I understand. As, as him. So, I'm, I'm just saying next year, if I've got the number one pick, and I don't, I think you could talk to any general manager, I think if you end up with Justin Fields, and you get the second pick, you are disappointed that you didn't get Trevor Lawrence. I'm, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm, I'm fine gonna, with you I'm saying say that. that. I'm fine with you saying that. But I'm just saying Trevor Lawrence may not be as can't miss as okay. we think. That's my asset. Clemson trailed Boston College by 15 points at halftime yesterday. The 15-point halftime deficit was the largest halftime deficit for an AP number one team at home since 1950 when Notre Dame was ranked number one and undefeated and they trailed Purdue by 21 at halftime. That's how far back you have to go to see this. Uh, the biggest comeback in, in, in Clemson history as far as a home comeback went to get this game. They did they did eventually get the win. Boston College is better. But the bottom line is, if Clemson plays like this again, luckily they don't have too tough of a schedule, but next week is really going to be a telltale game. Notre Dame, and, and then if DJ... Um, DJ Uwe can play well next week against Notre Dame. I'll give it to you, Caleb. But and I think one game under his belt. But I, I, I'm concerned, and I think because Notre Dame 
to me right now, has one of the elite defensive teams in the country. And that is going to be a very formidable foe for Clemson. If DJ Uwe can get past them, hey, I'm going to start believing more. I liked what I saw, and I like this kid, and I think he's a great prospect. I don't know how you can say it's not much of a drop-off from him to Trevor Lawrence. I think in just leadership and experience alone, Trevor Lawrence head and say, shoulders above. What I would say, that experience is probably, and the confidence that he has that we've kind of given him, Trevor Lawrence, I think that's the only thing that drops off. I think Uwe can make every throw, too. I think he's not as polished, maybe, because he's a freshman. But as far as the things you can do with the offense, you can still do them. And I think just as good of a runner, I think, especially with his size, I think a, a threat running the ball. He may be a better runner yeah, down, down the I, road. So I think but you can do the same things as a Clemson offense. The trust element and that's, and that's, for a Trevor that Lawrence. That has to do oh with coaching. God. If you're coaching, maybe you trust Trevor Lawrence to do make these decisions okay. more than you trust Uwe. But I think... Once you start to trust him, which I think the second half is it, 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 we can do everything. You know what's aggravating? You know what's aggravating? Uwe himself that Trevor that, that you, Trevor Lawrence is going to leave, and you've got this beast about to take over. That you're right, Caleb. In two years down the road, we might be talking about Uwe as the top college prospect and no miss guy because he has the size for sure. And I'll tell you one thing: if you didn't see it yesterday, the one thing we haven't talked about, we're going to leave it because we got don't have much time left. But his arm strength is right there. This guy has. I mean, that ball leaves his hand with zip, real zip, and he can throw the ball a long way, and he also showed us, in the, especially in the second half, some very accurate passing and can make those throws too. So I'm not going to say down the road he won't be. I think it's a big drop-off right now. Is Clemson still a top-10 team? I asked that question earlier. I'll end it with this. Yes, they are still a top-10 team. Would they be in the playoffs without Trevor Lawrence? I'm yes. not going to say yes for sure, but Caleb will. Uh, listen, um, the last thing I really want to say about college football, we're going to get to our guest. Uh, we got Cisco. Kid Ortega, and I know he's on his way to a, a big tailgate party with the, 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 um, the, with the black hole, so I want to get to him. I just wanted to say one quick thing as we're in college football before we leave it is Michigan again yesterday. I mean, how about Jimmy Harbaugh, man? This guy, they, the, the pants are finally different. At least you can, you can stand looking at him now without the khakis on, but I'll tell you what. The bottom line is in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Caleb, you beat Michigan State and you beat Ohio State or you lose your job. Right now, he has three victories in going on six years against, and it's all against Michigan State. Two of those victories were in East Lansing. At home, he can't beat Michigan State, and he's never come, well, he's come close to beating Ohio State, but hasn't beaten them. He's going to lose to Ohio State again this year. I mean, how soon and how long before Michigan pulls the plug on this guy? They paid him a lot. I'm never going to say Jim Harbaugh is a bad coach. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying at the University of Michigan, you beat Ohio State or the alumni uh, start getting ill. Yeah, I think this season is his last. I think if he loses to Ohio State and it's not a competitive game, I think it might be his last game if he loses to Ohio State this year. Um you don't lose to Michigan He's State. He's 29-0 in the big house Michigan against State, every other Big Ten team Michigan except State, for State and Ohio State. Michigan State not only beat the Wolverines in their home stadium, they did it with a new coach. So this is a first-year coach yeah. that came to Only one the other coach house. in at Michigan State history has done that. You know who it was? I don't. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Well, how do you, how you, do you like to be in how that you company? Like those apples, right? But I'm saying you don't do that. I, there, there's no excuse. I think looking at it, I think his last – Stitch effort to save his job is to beat Ohio State. That's the only thing that he could do right now. I think, and if his players I think, love him, I they'll find the decision, a way to rise up. I think up. the decision to fire him may have already been made. Yeah. I think for at the end of the season. If yeah. he loses to Ohio State, it may get announced the week after that. Last game. question That's before we hit Cisco up. Do we go do you go back to the khakis if you're Jim Harbaugh? They, no, weren't, they weren't working God, either. No. Right? Those they things were awful. Either. They you were terrible. Might just try to wear shorts. Maybe shorts in the wintertime. Fire yeah, up maybe, your team. Maybe go like a Minnesota's fire, coach fire, and wear a full three-piece suit team. on the sideline or something like that. Do something different. Make your yeah. players get their mind off of what Go what, with the uh, Lombardi look with the, with the trench coat and the top hat. All right. Let, let's get to the S&B with C. Every week we do this. It's the silver and black with Caleb Herring. Uh, the 3-3 three and three Raiders, you know, tough game last week against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What we did learn about that game is Tom Brady is who he always He's known he was. He's just a 43-year-old version of it. But what we did learn is Tampa Bay's defense can be stifling. And Derek Carr managed around that defense a little bit. But the bottom line is defense wins championships. And if that's any indication of what we're seeing going forward, Tampa Bay is going to be right there in the mix of the NFC. They've now dismantled the Green Bay Packers. And that was a team that a lot of people thought was going to play like Seattle. And Seattle has definitely looked uh, pedestrian at times as well. So to say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
aren't among the best teams in the, in the league. Number one, their record says they are, and number two, their defense definitely says they are. They're, they were tough, so got it. We'll, we'll let the Raiders off the snide for that one. Three and three, they're going to play a five and two Cleveland Brown teams that is probably the best Cleveland Browns team I have seen or any of us have seen in the past two decades. So yeah. this is going to be tough going on the road after taking that loss at home. It is going to be tough. And joining us right now, one of the ultimate and biggest fans uh, to do, to talk with Caleb about this Raiders team and also to give you an idea how you can join one of the biggest fan bases in the country right now here in Las Vegas is Cisco Kid Ortega. He is the president of the Las Vegas chapter of the S, uh, of the uh, the Black Hole, and he's been on the show once before. Cisco, what's going on, man? Hey, good morning, fellas. Good stuff, I'm Caleb. I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, we're doing great, man. Caleb, the biggest fan base. This is the guy that runs the show, and uh, we got a big game today, and he's on his way to a tailgate party. Yes, so I, I want to ask you, how, what's the pulse like around you know with the black hole? How are things going in the transit? I know I've seen people making the trip out to sit outside of Legion and, and kind of camp out in the parking lot. Yeah. What's the pulse like around around the fan base uh, handling the transition now, new home, Las Vegas, Raiders? How, how's everybody handling this first season? Well, thanks to COVID, that kind of threw a wrench in everything. I mean, uh, I mean, the the excitement in the air, um, the stadium being built. Uh, I, you know, it, it was everybody was just anticipating a just a a fantastic season. You know, but then all of a sudden, COVID hit and kind of everything got switched around. Uh, as far as Black Hole, we were very disappointed that we weren't able to uh, do our annual kickoff party, which we normally do, where we get uh, over a thousand people in attendance. Uh, every home opener weekend, uh, it being here in Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, we were excited. But again, everything got sideways, and we're just trying to make do with what we can. So, t- talking about the on the field product, I know uh, a little bit of a shaky week um, after the Bucks lost, but beating Kansas City for the Black Hole is now the the pretty much solidified as a rivalry game. I think the season has been. Up and down, but I think a positive season so far with a lot of potential uh, playoff push maybe going down the road. As far as the on-the-field product, how satisfied have you been with what you've seen? What are the biggest deficiencies you've seen as a fan? Oh, man, I could say, you know, it's good to see the offense scoring points, even though we didn't do as much of that last week. But the defense is kind of really starting to disappoint me. Uh, we started on strong. Obviously, you brought it up, the game against... Kansas City was an A plus 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 plus, and last week's game was I could say probably a C minus, maybe D plus because of the defense. Yeah, you know, Caleb, I was going to say Cisco, great point with the defense. I've got I've got two words for you, and they're actually a first and a last name that I'm still repulsed by. It's called Khalil Mack. And still, you know, it's funny because I said when they let him go, and, and and I'm bitter because obviously being a Detroit, being from Detroit, you let him go to a, our, <laughs> one of our rivalries. So our quarterback Matthew Stafford has to see him twice a year now. But my biggest issue with that was I said, you know, the Raiders have these first round draft picks that they traded him for, and what are they going to spend their first round draft picks on? Trying to find another Khalil Mack. Why get rid of him right. if you're trying to draft another one? And they tried, and Spencer likes the guy that they drafted for him, and I do too. But he's no Khalil Mack. And you can't let a franchise guy like that get away and expect to rebound and have the same defense. I agree with you to a, to a point. Now, we know what kind of money Khalil was expecting and wanting. Now, do you bankroll your whole franchise on one player? No, you have John Gruden give up 10 of his $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been yeah, a perfect world, you, But right? I think that's in a different category, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. I, think, I think the way it breaks but, yeah. down, Gruden, Gruden's money is a little bit safer than the player's money. But I, I wanted exactly. to talk about something that I think uh, fans who have followed the franchise like you have uh, are probably yeah. aware of but uh, and have strong opinions on. Your assessment of Derek Carr. I know there's a lot of questions around if he's the guy, if he can pull it off. From With what he's done this season, what do you think about his prospects of being the guy that can get it done as far as making it to the playoffs and hopefully getting to a Super Bowl? Well, when our offensive line was healthy and in, intact, he had he's having great games. There's no question. Um, I do like to see uh, the change in him this year of running a lot more than he did pretty much kind of like almost we called it his MVP season in 2016. He's running a lot more. Uh, I'd like to see him run a little bit more, uh, throw that defense off. Um, but like I said, I think when that, when that front line, you know, is intact, he's got all day. 
and he's he's performing well. It's when you know you got people out for COVID, uh, you getting bad calls, kicking Gabe Jackson out. You know, uh, it's like a house. You know, you got to have a solid foundation to build a house, right? Yeah. So, so I, I imagine you talked about it a little bit Gabe Jackson's ejection. I imagine that if there were fans in attendance, there'd have been some boo birds, maybe worse words than <laughs> boo birds coming out of the black black hole over that ejection. What did you think about right. uh, Gabe Jackson getting the kick out? Well, it's typical, you know, hey, he's got a Raider jersey on. He's a Raider. A helmet. <laughs> Bottom line. Bottom line. You know, I, like I mean, it. if you're a Raider fan, you see this year and year out, multiple games. You know, calls that are just ridiculous that, you know, let's just say a Tom Brady with the Patriots would get, you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We just, not only are we playing the other team, but we're playing the referees too. So, so big... you know, we got to play. A great game. There was a big cumulative boo, I would imagine, when that happened amongst the, the black hole. <laughs> uh, there would have been a lot of four-letter words. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, two, two more things, uh, Cisco, is we're, we're, we're tight on time. First, I want to stand up and show you my shirt. Look at that. You see the shirt I'm wearing yeah, today? Oh boy. Look at that. I, well, I'm showing you because I see that hat, and i got to have one of those, so I'm lobbying right now. <laughs> but uh, but other, uh, other, other than that, I'm, a, a couple of things real quickly here. With the yeah. season going forward, they're playing the Cleveland Browns today. Cleveland, a much-improved team. And, of course, the Raiders secondary will be tested. Odell Beckham decided to start playing football again this year. He's out. And he is out right now, which is going to the – Cleveland has weapons, yeah. and they can play football. Yep. And they lose, they lose Nick Chubb, and they don't skip a beat because uh, Kareem Hunt has been running the ball very well from their abusively. De- He's been running the ball abusively. He has. abusively. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> good play on words, Caleb. But um, what do you what do you think for this game? And I'll ask both of you uh, as we wrap this segment up. What's it going to take for 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 the Raiders to win this game? Uh, solid defense. Solid defense. We got to attack. We got we got to put pressure on the quarterback. Bottom line, bottom line, put pressure on the quarterback, and Carr's got to go back to 2016. You know, those guys got to get open. Rugs. I mean, I, I was checking the listing before we got on. I'm not sure if Edwards is back. Um, hopefully, he's back. Um, no we just got to play. You know, we got to we got to get my boy Third and Renfro the ball. Third and Renfro. I like it. I like Third and Renfro because he is the, he would be my favorite third down target if I was quarterbacking. But no, I, yep. I agree. I think defense got to get some pressure. Baker Mayfield coming off of his best game of the year uh, and a comeback win over the Bengals. But I, I mean, it's the Bengals. But I think so. I think getting Baker off the spot will be good. I think an undermanned receiver. I actually think this could be a good game for the Raiders to get back to some winning because the Browns are five and two. But I don't think they're a a strong five and two, especially missing Odell. This is a good. This. this is a good. A good game, in my opinion. The Raiders could go in and steal from yeah, the Browns, and could. I like it too. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. actually going to pick the Raiders to win this game. I'm not going to pick it in my picks of the week, but I like them. Before we let you go, Cisco, last thing, give yes, give let people know how they can become part of the black hole. You want to become one of the nation's biggest fan bases? Cisco's going to let you know how right now. Yeah, it's uh, theblackhole.com is our website. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. We have a uh, chapter page, uh, The Black Hole, Las Vegas chapter. You can reach out to us there. Um, I would give out the Instagram. The Instagram's a little long, but, uh, yeah, our website's the best way to reach out to us. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, just Cisco Ortega, parentheses, Cisco Kid. You'll see my mugshot with a Raider hat on. I like it. There you go, right there. That's how you can join it. And then that, this mugshot with the Raider hat on, that Raider hat will be on my head soon. The next time he's on, we'll have one on my head. So we'll be matching. Cisco, we appreciate you. Uh, keep doing what Thank you're you doing, man, and grow that fan base. Um, I'm, I'm trying to morph it in, but the Raiders are becoming my second favorite team. So, I mean, what can there I do? I'm from, hey, from Detroit. You already got one of the colors, right? Right? Silver? That's Just so, got to swap out the right, blue well, for black. Believe me, it's easy, <laughs> it's easy to do. Like I said, and, you know, and I'll say this, leave it. When you're a Lions fan, you don't feel sorry for anybody else. You feel sorry for your yourself and i do so but i'm working on cisco kid ortega president of the las vegas chapter of the black hole we appreciate you my friend thank you guys i appreciate it thank you check out the blackhole.com if you want to become a member caleb it's at that time uh we are going to go into our pick segment we've got the we've got week eight here all of us kind of uh um did badly last week we'll say it nicely i of course went against my you did but i went against my lions and uh jesus christ they always find a way to lose and now they're finding ways to win when I don't want them to. I swear, I, next week I'm going to start wearing Matthew Stafford jerseys. Maybe that'll bring them back. But
but well, we're out of this Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes anyways, but I took them. I lost. Uh, Caleb, of course, the one winner last week, he took the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they made me nervous there late, but they, they pulled they, it off. They are really a much better team than I thought they would be this year, and today should be a great game with them and the, and the Ravens. You're talking about probably the game of the week to see who is the cream of the crop in the AFC Central. That'll be interesting. Um, uh, DeMond went on the other side of that. He took the Tennessee Titans. I kind of like that side as well. They were at home, but uh, home field doesn't matter as much this year as it ever hasn't mattered before because you don't have any fans. You just got a fictitious, loud audience in the background. And, of course, the Wiz, who thought he had a great bet going, he said, and if I quote him, I'd go back, there's no way the Redskins are going to beat the Cowboys. And uh, at... And, and I mean, I mean, um, we know that we and we knew before the game Dak Prescott was out, but uh, that's so that's where we're at. Um, and of course, Magnum went against his Jets, and we already talked about that. Yeah. He lost again, so we're all three and four. Every one of us, except for Magnum, who is one and seven, or uh, <laughs> one and six. Uh, what do you got, Caleb? Start so us I'm, off. I'm going with the Rams. I think Tua makes his debut. I think they're getting uh, a three, and, three a half. and a half. So I think uh, I don't think it's going to be that close of a game. I don't think Tua is going to be ready for Aaron Donald. Um, I think that's going to have a lot to do with the game, especially if they're planning on throwing the ball a lot with Tua to, in his debut. Uh, I think the Rams come out and, and handle them pretty good. So I'd take the Rams with that three and a half points. Yeah, it's crazy that they're getting three and a half. I don't know what people are missing that I'm not. Demond, I'm going to let you go second. Pull your mic next to you. See Patriot. if you can get it back for the guests. The- going with the Patriots. I think Cam's going to get it together. Yeah, Cam, ever since the, the positive test of, of COVID, it's like it didn't really affect him physically. It affected him mentally because he is just not looking very good. People do expect him to turn it. I don't know. You know, they're they're getting uh, they're at Buffalo. They're giving up four and a half points. So you're going to take Edelman out this week. I think he is four think, and a half, but plus four and a half. He's already at said it though. That's his bet. He's he's, he's got to take it. Wiz, I'll let you go third really quickly. Uh, I'll just take the Packers. I'm so annoyed. I was nine of twelve against the spread. I'm sixty percent on the season with over a hundred games picked. But uh, yeah, I'll you know your own this. analytics. Yeah, that's of crazy. It, it is, I love it. The average it is better crazy. Is 50, at the average professional sports better is fifty to fifty-five percent. I'm sixty percent on the season. And I'm are go- you not at the casinos? Like, what, what are you? Do? Why aren't I you at the bets. sports? <laughs> I am going to try. I'm going with you next time. I am going to try to turn things around today, and I am going to take the Detroit Lions at home versus the Indianapolis Colts, and it looks like they're giving up three, or they're getting giving up three points, which is crazy. But I'm taking them. That's it. We're out of time. Out of line. Fox Sports Radio. 98.9 FM, 13:40 AM. We're here every Sunday, same time at eight o'clock. Brian Feldman, Caleb Herring, The Wiz, Spencer Ostrowski, Demond, and of course for our guest Cisco, the Kid Ortega. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week.